Hey, did you know that on average, Christmas is the busiest time of the year for people? How many guys knew that? Yeah, studies have shown that our calendar fills up more quickly and fully during the month of December than at any other point during the year. I mean, how many of you guys agree December at least feels like the busiest season? It feels like there is always something going on. Think about all the preparations that you have to do for the holidays. I'll list them here on the screen, and there are probably more than just this. You've got to worry about shopping, right? Buying gifts for the people you love. Now, I like giving gifts, but let's be real. Some people are just hard to shop for, aren't they? I'm one of those people that is hard to shop for. Ask my wife. The reason that I'm hard to shop for is not because I'm terribly picky. The reason I am hard to shop for is because if I tell you in November, let's say, what I want for Christmas, by the time December 25th rolls around, I've already bought it for myself. I have no impulse control. And so if I decide, ooh, I want a new Apple Watch for Christmas, before Christmas ever gets there, I'm just gonna go buy it for myself. So I am one of those people that are kind of hard to shop for. Then as you're buying gifts for all of your friends and family, you feel the pressure of like, who am I supposed to buy a gift for and who really doesn't need a gift this Christmas? Some of you guys have developed rules in your family over who you have to buy gifts for and who you don't have to buy gifts for. Some of you though, you have to wing it. You have to figure it out for yourself. And so you're left wondering like, should I really buy a Christmas gift for my second cousin's wife, Shannon? Like, just, just, does she need one? Should I do that? And you're probably thinking, nah, I don't need to do that. But then, you know, the little voice pops up in your head and you're like, but what if I'm giving gifts to everybody else on Christmas day and she's over there like, what, I get nothing? Am I not a part of your family? I thought I was. So then you're like, you know what? Maybe I should just go ahead and get her a little something, but you know, deep down inside, she hasn't gotten you anything. So then you're like, well, I guess she's going to feel awkward when I give her a gift. And she's like, I didn't think we were doing this. It's a no win situation when it comes to shopping for people in your family. The pressure is always on. Then you've got events, right? You've got Christmas parties that you have to go to. I don't know how many Christmas parties you have this year, but it seems like 18 is probably about the average number. Just There's a Christmas party for everything. Everybody wants you to come hang out at their Christmas celebration. Then you've got, you know, volunteering. Maybe you think Christmas is the season of giving back and I wanna serve the neighborhood, serve the community, serve those who are less fortunate. So that takes up some of your time. You've gotta take your kids to get pictures with Santa and wait in that long queue at the mall. Like, There are a lot of events that want to fight for your time and attention during Christmas. Then you've got cooking. Now, I know some of you guys are like, forget cooking, bro. We're ordering Jollibee this Christmas. I'm still waiting on my invite. I would show up to that. But some of you guys, you have this pressure on you that at Christmas time, you have to cook a large and perfect meal for the extended family. And of course, there's the travel component. If your family's not local and you've got to go visit them, you have to like book your tickets and do it at just the right time so you don't overspend on everything. And you got to pack up all the kids and you got to find a ride to the airport and you got to hope that you don't accidentally leave a kid home alone, you know? You laugh, but apparently that's a real thing. This last week, I saw a documentary about a family who was going to Paris and in their, like the hectic schedules, they left their son at home. It was a terrifying, terrifying story. The good news is everything worked out okay. Like the kid was able to defeat some burglars and he was reunited with his family. It ended up being a lovely story, but I felt bad for that family. Like, whoo. 
Christmas is a season full of preparation. It is full of busyness and getting ready for a moment that happens and then it's done. And you're like, wow, that was a lot of buildup. I'm not sure I really got everything out of it that I should have. This morning, in the middle of all of your preparation, if I were to ask you the question, what's missing this Christmas? That's the title of this series that we're doing in December. But if I were to ask you, what's missing this Christmas? Your answer very well might be cheer. You say, I know the the Christmas season, the holiday season is supposed to be full of cheer and joy and happiness. But in reality, because of my busy schedule, because of all the pressures that are on me, you're like, I don't feel very cheerful this Christmas. You might find yourself overwhelmed, maybe a little short-tempered, and you're just ready for Christmas to be over, you know? It's just like if we could get past December 25th, maybe even past January 1st, if we could just get into the new year, then I can breathe, I could settle down, my schedule would calm down, and all the expectations on me would lower just a bit. Because this Christmas, you're not feeling the cheer. There's no twinkle in your eye. The snow is not magical, it's miserable. You with me? (laughs) You're about ready to rip the head off that elf on the shelf. You're like, if I have to hide this thing one more time, You're just not feeling the Christmas cheer. And it's not because you're a Grinch. It's not because you're a bad person. It's just because you're overwhelmed by the Christmas preparation. So you don't have any energy left for Christmas cheer. But here's the good news. You are not alone. Okay. In fact, many people feel exactly the same way you do. I would argue even most people feel that way. And if we were to go all the way back to the OG Christmas, like the first one that ever happened, there's something really cool that we see. Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, they apparently felt overwhelmed by the preparations of their first Christmas. But when we look at their story, the good news for you and I is that um, we, can, we can learn or we can be reminded that it is possible to find Christmas cheer in the middle of our Christmas chaos. You guys want some cheer? I do. I would love a little bit more. I tell everybody, like people are like, so how's Christmas going for you? And I say all the time, it's almost every other year where I'm like, yeah, I'm really feeling the Christmas spirit. And then the next year I'm like, God, just get me past all this stupid music and shopping and everything like that. This year is one of those happy years. I'm feeling the Christmas cheer and I would love a little bit more. Maybe you're in the, I'm ready for this to be over. I think this story will be helpful to you. So the story starts in Luke chapter number one, Mary and Joseph, their experiences leading up to the very first Christmas of all. I'll put it here on the screen. You can read along with us. We'll start reading in verse number uh, 26. The scripture says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and if you're like, who the heck is Elizabeth? That was Mary's cousin, and she got pregnant with a guy named John at the same time. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But look what the scripture tells us in verse 29. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. She was literally like, what is happening right now? Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. 
You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. He goes on to say, he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. So we learn a little bit here about the preparations that Mary was going to have to go through in order to experience the first Christmas. We learned that Mary's preparations were going to be nine months long. Am I right? Can you imagine preparing for Christmas for nine months, like starting in March to get ready for December 25th? That'd be madness. I know y'all Filipinos basically do that. You guys know this, right? In the Philippines, I learned this recently. In the Philippines, they start celebrating Christmas in the months that end with burr. So September, they start celebrating Christmas. And then just to throw a wrinkle into it, it goes all the way into January, which doesn't end in burr. You guys are nuts, but that's okay. Can you imagine though, can you imagine having to prep for nine months for Christmas? That'd be really tough. And in addition to the length of time that it was going to take her to prepare, her preparations for this first Christmas were gonna involve a lot of awkward conversations. You with me? The most awkward conversation of all is going to be with her fiance, Joseph, when she tries to explain to him how she is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, you know? How do you even start a conversation like that? You're sitting down to dinner and you're like, so an angel appeared to me today. I don't think Joseph would have responded super well to that. I mean, that would have been hard for him to swallow. Uh, I actually like to think that one day Joseph was digging through Mary's purse to find some chapstick and he happened to come across a bottle of prenatal vitamins, you know? And he's like, what are these? She's like, yeah, we need to talk. That's probably not how it happened, but I like to think maybe that's how it happened. I mean, Mary, her prep for Christmas was tough. It was not going to be an easy thing. In fact, this passage that we just read said that Mary was disturbed and confused by her situation. My guess is she wasn't experiencing a lot of Christmas cheer in this moment. She might've had a lot of Christmas fear. She might've had a lot of Christmas uncertainty, but she probably didn't have a whole lot of Christmas cheer. And then think about Joseph, poor Joseph, you know, in this story, his side of this narrative is told in Matthew chapter number one. We'll put it on the screen. You can read with me here. We read about how um, the scripture tells us this is how Jesus, the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and he didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. It's important that you kind of understand this here. When Joseph found out what was up, he kind of assumed the worst about Mary. He thought, "Uh uh-oh, I don't know whose baby this is, but obviously it's not mine. And even though he must have been hurt, even though he clearly wanted out of the relationship, he wasn't going to expose Mary. He wasn't going to make her, you know, uh, a ridicule in their society. He said, we'll just break the engagement quietly and she can, she can kind of deal with the consequences of her actions. But as he considered this, 
an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph's preparations were also going to be nine months, and they were going to involve processing a lot of doubts. Can you imagine being in Joseph's shoes and, you know, you you have this vision and you're being called to trust when the situation makes no sense at all, when there is no good reason for you to trust that everything is going to work out, that when you agree to follow through on this commitment to marry Mary, to raise this son as your own, all of your friends and family are going to judge you. They're going to believe that you were the one who impregnated Mary. They're going to believe that you guys did the deed and you're trying to cover it up with this incredible lie about God being the one who brought this baby to pass. It was a really hard season of preparation for Joseph. And if you think that was bad enough, their preparations get even worse. Because if you look in Luke chapter number two, we find out that things go from bad or difficult to much, much worse. In verse number one, the scripture says, at that time, around the time that Mary was going, uh, Jesus was going to be born, Mary was going to give birth, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. Verse two tells us this was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her first baby to be born. She gave birth to her newborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So they've got this crazy news. Their preparations are going to be long and they're going to be very difficult. And then, randomly, the government decides that they need to take a census. Now, the reason the government took a census at this time was not because they wanted a population count. It was because they wanted to levy their new taxes. That was the reason this census was called. And so, in the middle of this very difficult, long, supernatural, pressure-filled pregnancy that Mary and Joseph were going through... They suddenly had to drop everything and go on a three-day journey by foot to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Can you imagine if the government said, hey, we need you guys to file your taxes this year, but it's against the rules for anybody to electronically file them. You have to go file in person. And you can't just go down to your local tax office and do that. You actually have to walk to your family's farm in Saskatchewan and do it there. Can you imagine that? Oh, by the way, your wife is pregnant. And you guys got to make that journey. Like it would have been such a difficult, pressure-filled time of preparation for poor Mary and Joseph. They make the journey because they have to. They don't have a choice. And then they get to Bethlehem and they find out there's no room available for them. You know, like God sends his son to the earth, but he decides not to book a reservation in his name. 
That's a little crazy, isn't it? The Bible tells us that Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. What that means is God's plan through Jesus to redeem humanity, it has always been in place. Like since before we ever got here, God knew what he was going to have to do. And he committed to this course of action because he loved us so much. You would think at some point in eternity, God could have jumped on hotels.com and reserved a room for baby Jesus. But he had other plans. He didn't do that. Poor Mary and Joseph show up in Bethlehem after this long season of preparation and they find out their preparation is not even over yet. I almost imagine, you know, Mary and Joseph standing in the hotel of this, or the lobby of this hotel or motel, you know? And, and the innkeeper is standing there and this woman is about to give birth right there on the floor. And he's like, I'm so sorry, you guys, but we don't have any room for you. And Mary is like, I will cut you if you don't find us a room. I will cut you. Because pregnancy is tough on even the nicest woman. And then all of this preparation and work that had to go into it, it must have been a hard Christmas season for Mary and Joseph. So here's the thing. We've got this couple. And in the the lead up to the very first Christmas, there is all this pressure There's all this expectation. There are all these questions. There are all these doubts. There's all this busyness that has to occur. And yet, despite all of the madness around this first Christmas, the Bible tells us that Mary and Joseph were able to retain or find some cheer in the middle of all of that. In Luke chapter number two, we read about how Jesus was born. You can go on and you can read about how the night Jesus was born, a bunch of random shepherds showed up. Like, can you imagine giving birth to your firstborn son after all of this stuff that you've been through? And then like 18 strangers show up and they smell and they haven't taken a shower. And they're like, oh, an angel said we could drop by and say hi. And you're like, now's not the time, guys. You know? (laughs) Then... We find that eventually a group of wise men come. We think they came all the way from Iran. So they've been traveling for a long time. They give your baby these gifts that are worth an absolute fortune and you're not totally sure what's going on or what to do about it. But in verse number 19, the scripture tells us something about Mary. The scripture says that Mary treasured all these things in her heart and she thought about them often. See, we know that Mary, actually, she got something out of what was happening. She enjoyed this. She appreciated it. She was glad that these things were coming to pass. Why? Because you don't think often about bad stuff. You don't treasure negative circumstances and situations. When something bad happens, what do you do? You try to forget it. You try to put it out of your mind. You try not to consider it at all. And yet the Bible tells us that Mary treasured all of these circumstances and she thought about them often. Despite all of the Christmas chaos, Mary and Joseph were able to discover some Christmas cheer. Their story kind of reminds us of something that's so easy for us to forget. But man, I think we need to keep this in mind as we go throughout the holiday season and really every other season. There may not be a lot of cheer in the preparation, but there's always cheer in the payoff. There may not be a lot of cheer in the preparation that you have to do in life, but there is always cheer to be found in the payoff. This Christmas, you're busy you're stressing. There's a lot of pressure on you. You're wondering how you're going to fit it all in and make everybody happy. And I realize that at this moment, you may not be experiencing a whole lot of Christmas cheer, but there is a payoff that's coming 
And that will bring you the cheer that you're looking for. This is true at Christmas. It's true of really any time and season of our life. How many of you guys know there is not a great deal of cheer when you have to do your studies? You find the cheer when you get your degree. Are you with me? There's not a great deal of cheer when you eat kale every single meal. But there is a great deal of cheer when you're finally able to fit into your goal pants. There may not be a lot of cheer on Sunday mornings, setting up flags when it's minus 20 and sleeting and all that. But you know, there is a great deal of cheer that comes when people in this service give their hearts to Jesus and they experience transformation during Christmas. There is not always cheer in the preparation, but there is cheer to be found in the payoff. When we work hard, when we do what we need to do, God promises that we will experience some sort of reward, result, cheer, happiness, and joy when things finally come together. And look, I I hope that you experience that kind of cheer and joy and fulfillment. I hope that, that, you know, this Christmas you give gifts to people and they love them and you have an amazing family dinner and everything just goes really, really well for you. But you and I both know there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. There's no guarantee that everything is going to go super well for us. You might miss your flight. That could happen. Your your family might be disappointed with the gifts that you give them. You might find out that you're not going to get a Christmas bonus this year. You might not get everything that you're hoping will pay off this Christmas season. So you're doing all this preparation. You're like, oh, I hope that it pays off and I experience joy and cheer and I get the things that I, I think that I want and need in the world. But look, Christmas prep doesn't always plan out. Christmas preparation doesn't always give us exactly what we want. There might be a little bit of cheer, but it may not be everything that we were expecting. And again, if you find yourself in that situation, I want you to know that you're not alone because you might think reading through Mary and Joseph's story that like, wow, all that preparation, it was so tough. Everything they had to deal with for nine months and the travel and the questions and the no room at the inn and then this baby is born and what does it all mean? You might've thought that finally when baby Jesus shows up on that first Christmas, suddenly they experience full cheer and nothing is you know terrible anymore. No pressures, no problems. But things actually get worse for Mary and Joseph after Jesus is born. I'm gonna read you one more section of scripture here. We'll put it on the screen. We find out here in the gospel of Matthew, We find in verse number 13 of chapter two, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt. So a foreign country, go south. Flee to Egypt with a child and his mother, the angel said, and I want you to stay there until I tell you to return because Herod, the governor, is going to search for the child to kill him. Christmas happens and Mary and Joseph, they don't experience more cheer. Their situation gets worse and not better. Their schedule gets more hectic, not less hectic. They don't get answers. They only end up with more questions. They're not surrounded by their loved ones. They end up more isolated and alone than ever before. It was a tough situation. And they'd been prepping and prepping and prepping and waiting for the payoff. And it didn't come the way that they expected. But 
Mary and Joseph were able to find and maintain a cheer during their crazy circumstances. They were able to have a joy and a confidence. They were able to have an optimism and a hope that was in stark contrast to everything that was going on around them. Christmas did not turn out the way that they expected, and yet they still had joy. So I wonder what Mary and Joseph knew that we might be missing. I wonder what Mary and Joseph knew that allowed them to stay positive, to stay full of faith, to stay cheerful and joyful, even in the middle of all of that. I think what they knew that we need to remember is that Christmas cheer is ultimately found in the Christmas Christ. Christmas cheer is ultimately found in the Christmas Christ. We can try to rely on all of these other things to make us cheerful this Christmas season. We can think, oh, if if I can just get this gift and oh, if my dinners can just turn out right and oh, if I can just, and man, this is all I need in order to be happy this Christmas. But if what you're filling in that blank with is anything but Christ, you're gonna end up a bit disappointed. Because Christmas cheer, you guys, it is not about having the best family dinner. It's not about having the best decorated house on the block. It is not about buying the perfect gift or receiving the perfect gift. Even if you have all of those things, you could still miss out on cheer this Christmas. And that's because Christmas cheer is not based on our gifts or our circumstances or our schedule. Christmas cheer is based on our Savior. And if you will get hyped about Jesus this Christmas, look, it's okay to look forward to family dinner or vacation or being done with this semester of school. All of that is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you are looking to those things to give you genuine joy and cheer, you're going to end up unsatisfied. But again, if you'll get hyped about Christ If you'll know that the thing that that made Mary and Joseph joyful and confident in the middle of terrible circumstances was that they had the presence of Jesus, if you could participate in that, if you could believe that, if you could accept and embrace Christ this Christmas, you would experience a cheer, a joy, a hope, a positivity that will, it doesn't matter what happens. It has nothing to do with your schedule or your celebrations. If you did that, I'm telling you, Christmas cheer would just ooze out of you. You would be one of those obnoxious people, you know? Everybody else is like, why are you so happy right now? Well, you're happy because you know what Christmas is all about. You're celebrating the real reason for the season. All this other stuff's fine, nothing wrong with it. Listen, if you wanna do Santa with your kids, go do Santa with your kids, I don't care. If you wanna have lots of parties, go do that. If you wanna do Black Friday shopping, do it. It doesn't matter, that's fine. It's not that they're wrong, it's just that they're incomplete if we're missing Jesus. Because Christmas cheer is found in the Christmas Christ. You get Jesus in you this Christmas, you're going to be smiling nonstop. You're going to be singing all those stupid Christmas songs. All I want for Christmas is you, you know. I'm serious. You're going to be giving irrationally. You're going to just beam Christmas cheer. Because you know where it's ultimately found. And where and why the season is supposed to be cheerful in the first place. You'll have this unshakable confidence that no matter what happens in your life or family this Christmas, God is for you. You have his peace, you have his grace, you have his mercy. And if God is for us, the book of Romans says, who could ever stand against us? 
who could ever hold us down if we have Christmas cheer from the Christmas Christ? So this morning, what I wanna do is I wanna give you the opportunity to receive the Christmas Christ. You're not asking for Christmas cheer. You're not like, God, I'm just, I'm a Grinch, I'm a Scrooge, I'm unhappy this Christmas, so I'm asking you to make me happy. No, 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 no. That's asking for the effect. You gotta ask for the cause. You gotta receive the one who will give you true Christmas cheer. Or if we take it back to last week, you're going to receive the one who will give you true Christmas peace. It all comes down to Christ. If you have Jesus, it doesn't matter what else you have or don't have. It doesn't matter what else will happen or don't happen. Life is different. Life is better. Life is full. Life is overflowing when Jesus is at the center of absolutely everything. So I'll invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you say, that's me, Dan, I'm ready to receive the Christmas Christ. Then I want you to simply repeat this prayer after me. You can say it in your own heart. You don't have to say it out loud, but if you want to, that's cool too. You might say, dear Jesus, I need you this Christmas. I don't wanna celebrate the holiday without the reason for the holiday. I pray that you would forgive me I pray that you would accept me and I pray that you would give me a new outlook today. I ask this in your name, amen. My friends, if you just said that prayer for the first time sincerely, then you have begun a relationship with God through Jesus. It's the exact same thing that happened to me and happened to, to dozens and even hundreds of other people in the room here with you. That because we have decided that we are going to put Christ at the center and foundation of our entire life, including our Christmas celebrations, that we have a joy and a hope and a purpose that we never, ever knew before. 